Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I am joined, as always, by, well, at this point, we're calling him Ratchet, just because you may or may not hear a little bit of noise as he is walking the, uh, can we call them Turbo Foxes? Does that count? Sure. <laughs> I mean, that was the first canine sort of Transformers-related animal that I could think of, so... <laughs> Uh, so if you hear anything in the background, that's what it is. Obviously, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do in post. But anyway, we are also joined by a special guest. We actually have on the show with me today two-thirds of the Uncut Sheet winning champions, we'll say, from PAX Unplugged. So I want to welcome in Palmer. Palmer, are you with us? I am. Thank you for the introduction. I'm a little upset that Scott gets to be Ratchet because I've always been the Ratchet one in the friendship. Oh, nice okay. to you guys. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I got two quick things for you before we dive into the proper things, so that we can uh, welcome you formally, I guess, to the to the show. So, uh, first one is give us a little bit of background for your Transformers experience. Favorite Transformers? It sounds like it's Ratchet. Um, no, actually, my favorite Transformer is Cliffjumper. He was the first one I had as a toy back in the 80s, so I've always been a little attached to him and Casey Kasem, Kasem counting down America's Top 40. Nice. So, uh, yep. Was it a yellow Cliffjumper or a like the messed up one, or was it the real red no, one? No, it's the, it's the red one. <laughs> I, I actually, when I got a real job on eBay, was <laughs> I, uh, I bought one, so I actually have one. It's nice. on my work decks. How do you feel about The Rock as Cliffjumper? Um, I can dig it. Okay, yeah, I think I'm okay there. You may want to check out Transformers Prime then, because he, he had a little a little stint there. Uh, okay. It, it has a... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's some interesting stuff there. So, uh, <laughs> The other question I had is actually for both of you guys, because we're getting close to that time. Are you too excited for the Bumblebee movie? Uh, so, the, so, the, so I watched... The guy's name is... Rodimus Primal on YouTube, so I'll give a shout out to him. Um, he did a non-spoiler review of it. He also does a lot of cool like Transformers theory uh, videos, and his review was excellent. I mean, he basically like had said it was the movie they were waiting for. Like, I know it takes place in the '80s, so like, and he said there's a lot of Easter egg references and nice. things like that. So like, he just said it was a like. It was a good movie that also for fans was like what we were looking for, I guess. So for me, Bumblebee is far and away my least favorite Transformer. Um, well, he's the other, other cliff jumper. <laughs> yes, exactly. He was my new... No, I think it had to do with you know my him, my little brother liking him, and I me not liking my little brother. But um, you know, I've tolerated <laughs> as Bumblebee brothers are wont like... to do. <laughs> I've to- I've tolerated him through the Michael Bay movies, but uh, I'm actually fired up for it too. I think that. It's going to be good. It looks like they've uh, they've got an interesting take on it. So and right. you know, Transformers content's always solid, and and I'm not even going to bad mouth the Michael Bay stuff. So yeah, I have to say, I I mean, I'm personally not a huge fan of the Michael Bay movies, but I do appreciate what it did for the franchise as a whole. I, it's hard to ignore when you have dollar signs followed by that many zeros and <laughs> the impact that it can have. So I'm sure at some point, some of that money ended up causing this game that we're going to be jumping into. How about that segue uh, (laughs) to come into fruition? So news-wise, we did actually have something pretty cool on the Facebook group, which is we had official event coverage. Uh, And and Palmer, you were actually one of the decks that was featured there. I believe it was yours and 
Joe's 5-0 list, who's another person that we should probably get on the show down the line, um, being the other the, the third person, the trifecta will then be complete of all of the uncut sheet winners. But uh, <laughs> did you guys get a chance to go through that? Any thoughts on either what they said about the lists from the event or the other ideas that they had on cards that, I, I guess... The way they phrased it was not that they were 100% underutilized, but they're expecting a little bit more, it seems. Um, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, you can go ahead. I'll, I'll collect my thoughts. <laughs> okay, so like, so I thought that the article was good, obviously. Um, I know that, you know, the section on my deck, since I had done a write-up, he kind of let me take that away. And with, you know, once we got the link in there, that made a lot of sense. The guy who wrote it, Casey Kinaga, is actually an old friend of mine. I played uh, Legend of Fire Regiment for years. So he had reached out to me and got the list before he did it. I thought that uh, the write-up on Joe's deck seemed good, you know, having looked at both his deck and Scott's deck and uh, the write-up that Scott did for Scott's deck that, I think Scott's is a little more my style, um, but it was good to get that perspective on how Joe was playing and what he thought. In terms of the underutilized cards, I actually feel like they're only underutilized because the, the game theory is so advanced that I think we've distilled a lot of the competitive environment out. Um, right. You know, those cards were probably being significantly more utilized three or four months ago. And, Absolutely. you know, it's... Or I guess not that long. Like, you know, a, a, two months ago, maybe. You know, when, when the game well, was... I got you, yeah. People were... Definitely you know, trying that out. And I think that there are solid decks you can build along. It's just that right now there's a lot of deck building avenues that are limited by can this be bugs and can this be primes. So, you know, the cards that dominate an environment where those decks aren't around are a little bit different and, you know, some varieties in there. Right. What about you, Scott? Did, did anything stand out to you or was it kind of in line with what you were expecting? So, I mean, obviously in terms of the two deck coverage, it was good. Um obviously short, but much shorter than the novels I usually write. But, um, <laughs> there, there's uh, room for, for both things to exist. <laughs> oh, I, I know. Um, so, I don't have it up in front of me. Like, I, I know, I know at one point you mentioned Flamor, who I don't feel is underrepresented in the meta. Well, I um, guess overall, maybe, because we have seen it locally a lot. Uh, but I'm not sure if she's necessarily a a widely known commodity. I mean, she was on a lot of the three character lists that were at the event that just were doing relatively well, like three two, right, four one occasionally. Like the three character lists that were based off like one big character, one medium character, and then flame war for the tough and the five. Star. Yeah, to fill it in. Yeah, so like I, I would say she's not under utilized. I'm trying to remember. Like I think he, did he mention RC or just mention in the Dinobot? lists that he was making like this Grimlock Super Rare Bumblebee like RC good stuff deck that he was playing around with. Yeah RC was brought up as well as Dark Mount. Uh, you already mentioned Flame War, Grimlock I think I'm missing one let's see if I can find it real quick while you guys are talking. <laughs> so like I know he mentioned Dinos and like again they weren't to me really that underrepresented mm -hmm. like they were I think just like, the meta evolved over the weekend because of what was winning. Um, so, like, it's always, like, whenever you have a multi-day event like this where people have, you know, bring their collections and have access to cards, I guess people are just going to change their decks. But I didn't feel like Dinos right. was necessarily underrepresented. If he talked about cars, I didn't think they were... I think they were might have been underrepresented from a power level perspective, but not from a, like, 
it's a hard deck to play like we talked about before. Right. So Oh, Jazz was the other one. I just found the post. I mean, come on. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there, there is... I'm expecting... I don't know. Uh, since he requires double white pips, when we inevitably get double white pip cards, maybe there'll be something there. But right now, yeah, I'm not super excited to play Jazz, at least in a competitive environment. He requires your opponents not to be playing the best weapon in the game, also. Let's yeah. not forget that. That's also so. a very important point to keep in mind. <laughs> Or, or having Barrage on the team. So, like, I mean, there's just too... I guess we'll get into yeah. this later, but there's too many problems. It, it so. gets a little awkward very quickly. Yeah. But, uh... So, so, oh, go ahead. I mean, I think his points are fair. I, I, I And I think we will probably get into a lot of later as to why those cards are maybe underrepresented, but... Right. I thought it was good that he, that he was able to bring some of what I assume is, like, um... Druid called it like seeding knowledge, like like. So maybe he's talk. Maybe these cards will get better in the next set because he's already playtesting three sets down the road or something like that. Right. That's kind of where I see the Jazz mention going. That okay. Well, if they know there are white pips and there's nothing in there indicating that there are double white pip cards, but I think it's a fair assumption we'll see that eventually. Uh, that maybe that's coloring the the idea a little bit for them. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. So, I, just, oh, I have ahead. a question, actually, yeah. for either of you, because I'm not real familiar with this. Do you have any idea, like, do you think it's weird that they only put articles on Facebook and not on, like, their main Transformers TCG I actually tweeted them about that well, okay. now a couple months ago. So I had uh, tweeted at the official Transformers TCG Twitter account, uh, and I had asked, hey, is... Facebook intended to be, moving forward, the primary location. Like, uh, everything funnels to Facebook and then out from there. And the answer I got naturally was very vague. It's Twitter. You're only getting so many characters, blah, blah, blah. But right. It sounds as though this is a stopgap solution until they oh, launch okay. whatever the next thing is. Now, there was no indication of what that next thing was or when it would happen, and maybe that's changed because, again, this is all, you know... Completely. I mean, it, it's from the official account, but it's also not official sort of thing, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think it's just, right. hey, there's a lot of people on Facebook. It's easier to do it this way for now. You heard yeah, it yeah. here first. Hasbro is buying Facebook. Yep. <laughs> That's how rumors get started. <laughs> um, so I, did you guys have anything else on that before we jumped into the, the other two news items? Nothing here. No. Okay. So one other thing I wanted to highlight, this is a quick one, we mentioned it on the last show, but uh, Vector Sigma, well, Scott, you had put together, along with a few other people, a charity tournament this weekend, so we wanted to bring that up again. By the time this goes up, it'll already happen, so naturally we'll be talking about the results in the next recording, etc. Uh, but if anybody out there can squeeze one in, look to do any charitable work that you can, whether it's Transformers TCG related or not. There's plenty of causes to use it, but uh, if you're in the greater Philadelphia area, then you probably want to see if you can make it this weekend, although it'll be a little late unless you're live in chat right now on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. So we um, we added a couple things if you only saw the initial posting. Um, we're giving out, I think it's a super rare Bumblebee and three rares, one of which I think is... I think it's Optimus, Chromia, and 
I don't remember the other one. Nice. I think Dark Bound is the other yeah. one, yeah. Nice. Um, so the top four will get to draft those characters. Um, so I assume the winner gets a rare ball movie. Cause that's probably just the way it'll roll. But um, And there's also going to be bounties on uh, some of the players. So if you beat them, you're going to get like a like a random draw that we're going to have. So it'll just be like rare battle cards or maybe characters, things like that. Right. Um, as well, at the event, we're going to be selling like bake sale items where we'll take the money and go buy more toys on my way to wherever I need to drop off the Toys for Tots toys uh, at the end. So. Yep. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to play Santa Claus in two capacities this weekend. Uh, one, I'm bringing... I bought a bunch of toys that we're going to donate, and then I'll probably also be handing out free wins. So if you're in the area, definitely come by. <laughs> um, our third news item is, I don't want to let too much on, but it should be live by the time, or Scott, you tell me if it'll be live by the time this goes up. Uh, yeah, we, it's, going up, it's going up on a Friday, so it'll definitely be up. Awesome. So you'll definitely want to check out VectorSigma.info, because Scott and I had the chance to sit down and speak with Drew from Wizards. So... You may have heard of this guy before. I don't want to go too much into the details as uh, everybody go check it out, but it was definitely an interesting talk. We definitely had some interesting information. I wanted to make sure. We had to transcribe it due to technical difficulties, but because there was cool stuff in there, I didn't want it to get lost. So I sat there for hours and hours and, and typed it all up. So <laughs> uh, definitely check it out over on VectorSigma.info once that goes up. Yeah, I just got to pick out some of the pictures that go along with some of the words. So. Nice. Because we didn't get as many pictures of all of us sitting around interviewing. Yeah, that, that in retrospect, that, yeah, we should have done that, but it is what it it's is. It's fine. So, gonna break up the, just got to break up the text, that's all, so it's not a wall of text. Exactly. Um, that's, tomorrow's, that's tomorrow's work project. Yes. <laughs> Always working hard. Yeah. So uh, I guess that kind of shifts us directly into our main topics, which are two things that we wanted to cover. One was a little bit more patch recap since we were able to have Palmer on the show. And also, we wanted to talk about, I'm not going to call them bad builds, they're just misunderstood. So, we're going to talk about some of the lists that fall below what we're going to call Tier 1. I know we had a tier discussion a few weeks ago, but uh, we'll get to that, and we'll probably bounce back and forth. So, Palmer, I wanted to actually ask you this. There were a few questions I had specifically about what you played uh, that got you the 5-0 record, but... Aside from that, you played in all the other events, right? Did you play Insecticons the whole time? Uh, I played one game with the uh, semi-defensive Dinobots deck, and then the rest were Insecticons. Okay. Uh, was it that you played the Dinobots deck in the very first event, or was that somewhere mixed in? No, I played it in the early event on Saturday, the one that Joe won. Okay. I. Uh, so you had gone Insecticons into Dinobots back to Insecticons. So did you just not like the Dinobot deck? Did you feel that Insecticons didn't line up well and that's why you audibled? Or what drove those decisions? So the I felt like the Insecticons was going to be the best deck for me to play. It's very straightforward, very idiot-proof, and I'm a very idiot. So <laughs> I was able to um, you know, use that. And like on the first day, there was a game that I lost to a mistake. And then there was a game I lost uh, to Mark flipping six tips off Swarm. So, you know, it, it, it played pretty well. Uh, I did, I think it was 3-2 in the first event and 4-1 in the second event. So I felt like you know, everything was going pretty good. Um, 
Coming into the second event, uh, Dan, who had been piloting the, the Dinobots deck, was going to do something else during that time slot. So I said, all right, I'm going to take it out, test it, see you know exactly how it's doing. Right. It felt like every game, like I ended up going two and three, um, but it felt like every game that I played was just like, I was always one or two damage short, they or one or two defense short. Like right. the way that it was in the middle was just enough to cause a problem there. So okay. we actually kind of three crafted a way to change the deck and make it a little bit more aggressive, but still able to beat Insecticons because that was playing the full aggressive version of the deck. It doesn't Insecticons, but that's why right. we were trying to audible to the more defensive. But after that, I just went back to the bugs. Um, didn't I didn't do great the uh, evening event. Um, oh, you know, I went four and one in that one. So yeah, no, my bad. So yeah, the that seems event, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking I was like three two for me with that Insecticons deck doesn't feel good because it's just like it's a four one level deck. Like I feel like the Primes deck is a five zero level deck, and right. the Insecticons is a four one level deck. Um, so yeah, I pulled that off, and then uh, and then obviously the five zero, which made a couple of changes because of the Primes and knowing that people were coming in. Although Sunday we actually did have the most uh, eclectic field. There were a good number of people who I think only played Sunday. People that were at right. doing other things. There was yeah. one guy that I played against who was one of the uh, the crew members. I forget what they call them. The brutes or whatever. Oh, the enforcers? Or enforcers, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was able to play in the one event. There was someone who had flown in from uh, San Francisco. So like, it was a little bit more variety of the decks, but I felt like putting the extra cards in there for the Nemesis matchup, which I only ended up running, or the you know Primes matchup, which I only ended up running into twice, and one of them was against Scott. Like That was the right call. Makes sense. Oh, quick, uh, we got somebody in the chat giving you a quick shout-out because uh, he's already implemented some of the tweaks from the list that you posted over on VectorSigma.info and uh, definitely helping them out. So shout out to chat and uh, I guess shout out to Palmer also for uh, sharing that. Awesome. Hope that you're having a lot of fun with it. So I did have some questions about it because, I mean, a lot of these builds, and we talked about it last week with Primes, uh, it's very easy to say, oh, well, you run Nemesis and Optimus, and then all blues, but there are a lot of blue cards you can change around, and it's kind of the same for Insecticons, where, oh, well, you run the four standard guys, Scrapnel, Barrage, Kickback, and Ransack, and then you just fill it with oranges, except there's a lot of orange cards. So the question is, which ones? And one of the things that stood out to me was that you were only running a single copy, ultimately, of Static Laser of Ironhide. So you had elaborated in the article that you would cut some for debilitating crystal, which makes sense given the primes. What? It, I guess you were only running two initially. So, what drove you away from having the full complement there? I just wanted a little bit more utility out of my weapon slot. Um, obviously, the static laser is really good, but it will lock you in some games where you get your guy with two damage, you know, two hit points left, and you got static laser, and if you don't draw a weapon, you're just out. Yep. Um, it's really good for swinging with Ransack, obviously, but um, it doesn't always line up like that. Right. So I felt like two was the right number in general. I never wanted to see two of them in a game. Mm -hmm. So, And then when it just became time to try and fit that debilitating crystal in, that was seemed like the right option to go. Makes sense. And I, I agree with, and you again, you would explain this in the articles, anybody who wants the, the written version instead of listening to my voice, because ask my wife, she's tired of hearing it. Uh, I'm sure everybody else out there is too. Uh, you can definitely check it out over on VectorSigma.info. It's been a while, been up there for a while. Um, the split makes sense to me, the debilitating crystals, ramming speed, 
because you do want the ability to ensure that you can deal with the armor that primes are putting out. Because at a certain point, even though Insecticons tend to have a very high ceiling for damage output, well, primes have a very high wall that you have to get over. Um, did you find that to be a struggle in those matchups, the, just ensuring that you pushed enough damage? Uh, it, it would usually work okay. I mean, we'll say in those that ransack, I was usually trying to swing him into Nemesis just to try and get one, two, one or two damage out there. He was not the best attacker. Obviously, really good when you can bring him back with uh, with I still function. Of course. Um, the, yeah, the games will come down to uh, that's a lot of it. Did you draw the I still function? Are you able to get their armor off the board? Because uh, you know, prime stack flipping two is going to defend four or five, and your good guys when they attack are doing eight or nine plus if they have a grenade launcher, right? You know, whatever is going on there. So I mean, you can essentially count every card that you flip as slightly more than one damage in that deck, and, right? And um, so as long as you can keep the armor off the board, you're usually good. You're doing some steady damage. Scrapnel with the base five is not bad. You know, he's hitting for three or four, getting on them. So I think that you know it worked out okay. I think there are definitely games like if you can't take the armor off or just you know they pull like i had someone when i was playing uh on saturday who just he defended a nine and a ten against me so it's like you know i don't know what i do there and sometimes it happens what are you gonna do and sometimes you kick back for like 85 so i guess it yeah, evens out uh, like you one shot prime so yeah that happens too yep so i guess two other questions for you obviously the static laser became a debilitating crystal but how many cards in this deck list do you feel are flex spots versus ones that you'll never change? You will always be running, you know, a place out of peace through tyranny, a place out of improvised shield, those sort of things. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it when you say flex, it depends on what you think the environment is going to be. So obviously, if you know you're facing a more aggressive environment, things like ramming speed and and the debilitating crystal aren't going to be as important, right? Um. But for most of the time, like when we built the deck originally, it wasn't running the treasure hunts. They had to go in. Like that was actually a really key card. I know that Mark doesn't like force field in his. I found that there are some times where it just kind of locks the game down. But if right. you get into an environment where everyone's playing a lot of armor removal, then of course that you know that's a slot that you could look at. Now I do like trying to keep it up around five or six whites. I've seen a lot of deck lists that only have three. I no, the, the six, occasionally you'll hit the double white and that's bad, but it, I feel like you miss on critting a lot if you're only running three whites. Right. It does push that um, ceiling a little bit higher, running those extra couple white pips or a few extra white pips. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, everything is is pretty solid in the deck. I'm not in love with Swarm as an action, but I mean, when you play it at the end, especially, like, it's just another way oh. to automatically get four damage on their last bot. So. Yeah, a, a, one, a four damage zap, I guess, or a a uh, one shall yeah. stand that doesn't damage your guys. Like it, it feels pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good in the end game, but not as useful the rest of the time. I mean, like if I could play another card that would let me mirror essentially the I still function to get more of them, like that would be more important. Oh, well, <laughs> I have a feeling we're probably not going to see too many of those effects again. But you never know. <laughs> well, more like a regrowth effect, so I could. Oh, yeah, take yeah, yeah. Out of my bin. That would be really good. So one other question I wanted to ask you, and I think this is the one that. A lot of people out there are going to be asking about. I know you posted, and Scott, you've also posted a lot about this on Facebook and in general in the articles. How do you feel percentage-wise the primes matchup is? Um, I would say it's probably sixty forty in favor of the primes. It's very reliant on who goes first, and like 
then it, you know the the proper play with the primes going first is to swing and kill kickback. So then it comes down to did they hit the action to kill kickback? Did you hit the action to I still did you draw I still functions all that right. kind of stuff. So there's a lot of variability that does go into it. Um, it's very difficult, I think, for or much. It's more difficult for the prime deck to win going second when they have to deal with, you know deal with scrap, not like a normal person. Yeah, but um, <laughs> when they yeah, have to play yeah, fair, it's not as much fun. Forty to the primes. <laughs> oh god. So I, I'm kind of in agreement with you, uh, Scott. Do you feel about the same way that that's kind of the way things are shaping up? It depends on what was the prime. That's also true. Like we said before, just because they're running the same characters doesn't necessarily mean their battle deck is identical. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess sixty forty sounds fair, but I would say it's really hard for Bugs to win on the draw. Like almost, especially against like the versions like mine that have uh, direct damage. But a lot of it comes down to the draw, and a lot of it comes down to how much direct damage you you get in your opening hand. Because like I I lost to an Insecticon deck that basically my opening hand was like two leaps and two bold one blasters, and that's not really going to get you very far. So right, <laughs> that that's so. completely fair. So. I guess, did you guys have any other thoughts on that you specifically wanted to put out about bugs? We did talk about it a few weeks ago. Uh, Palmer, you already have the article up, so a lot of people could check that out. But it, is there any other insight that you want to make sure people know about how to properly play Insecticons? Uh, Mark's actually going to be, there's going to be a deck, uh, an article on Vector Sigma probably next week where he actually goes through play-by-play play how to play against Primes with bugs. So just oh, nice. look out for that. I can't, there's... I can't do it justice compared to what was what was spoken and written, so okay. let's look for that. What about you, Palmer? Any other closing thoughts on this one? No, I mean I think that the uh you know, the kind of the play map that I put in the article is a good one, but I mean just the key to to remember is that kickback and barrage are the guys that are doing your real damage. So, you know, right. one thing like for instance when we were playing against it with cars, we knew that getting one of them off the board early, especially if you can do it with with uh, super rare bumblebee's ability, is one of the keys to that matchup. Absolutely. So you know, don't don't commit them early and waste them unless like, you know, you draw three eyes to functions. Gotcha. Just keep swinging with kickback, it'll be fine. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of segues into the other topic that I, well, we all wanted to discuss as I swap over the overlay momentarily, and that's what I led off with as misunderstood builds. So we've been talking about primes last week. We talked a little bit about Insecticons tonight and previously as what I'm going to define as the tier one decks. These are definitely strong builds. Maybe they're not going to comprise 90% of your local meta, any given tournament meta, but these are decks that if you sit down and see that lineup, you got to respect it, and you need to know what your game plan is against them. That being said, tournaments and events are always filled out with other decks. They could be you know, sleeper things that people haven't discovered. They could be, well, <laughs> things that maybe should stay undiscovered. Uh, we'll put it we'll put it that way. Uh, one of them, unfortunately for me, that I discovered very early on was tanks, and I think planes fall into this category. And based on what you guys are saying, it sounds like cars isn't quite at that level, but it is falling behind. So, can both of you guys talk about if you want to pick one or if you have a different example? What 
what is lacking from these decks that makes it so that they are not on the level of Nemesis Optimus or the Insecticon crew? So I don't... Oh, we lost. She's got... Can you repeat that? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think cards is part of that. I think they just need to be... Their prime matchup just needs to be able to, to be improved. Right. Um, but I think the popular ones that come up in discussion on Facebook channels and things like that is about tanks and planes, like you mentioned. Right. So, um, I think there's different reasons as to why they don't, each one doesn't work, but I guess I'll start with planes because that's the one that I actually have built over time. Um, so I think the problem that planes has, and I spoke about this in an article one time, is they want to transform them, um, whether it's Thundercracker or the uncommon uh, Starscream. Uh-huh. Um, so the Uncommon Starscream has his own problem. Two other planes to make him effective. Like, just the, having yeah. one other one just isn't effective enough. Absolutely. And it is 11 cost. It's real awkward because you can't run... Um, well, I guess the other two that you would run are six each anyway, so that wouldn't work. But Or eight each anyway, but... Yeah. Um, it means you have to run Skywarp, who's terrible. Um, mm -hmm. So... But the real issue is that either Thundercracker or him want to constantly transform me back and forth from uh, alt mode to bot mode is off the And it's, I, to me, it's just, I've just come over time where if you're rapid conversion and rolling out every single turn like as your action, it's just not as effective as what you actually could be doing. Right. They don't have the, the eight static base power of Prime to justify, okay, well, I'm going to get something done no matter what, and then I can do other things. Right, so, um, like, using a rollout, say, to, on your plane team to use Starscream's ability to create a Plasma Burst, like, that seems bad, because they generally don't want to be attacking in plane mode. For the most part, unless you're right. You, yeah, unless you have slipstream. Um, Even then, I'm not super excited about doing it because the one, the two damage swing is nice, but uh, I mean, it's it's free damage, and then in this more defensive base meta, I think it's fine. But well, it yes and no. So one of the and not to break your no, train no, of fine. thought. So for me, I look at slipstream on. The, the, I want her to be in. Bot mode. I guess, first off, I wish I could swap a lot of the plane powers and put different powers on different planes because I think there would be a better combination. But for Slipstream, yes, you're getting the guaranteed damage by moving it, but the issue is, is that your attack then is almost likely to do zero damage. So, right. great, you did one damage. Your icons are also, your pips are also a mess because oh, absolutely. you want to play aerial reconnaissance which is the only you know other than weirdness with prime the only way you can set up what your defense is going to be right but then that's an orange pip so that's yeah. a little off i mean rapid ascent synergizes well gives them some armor but orange pip and then yeah. bombing run you've got the blue the only one i mean they feel like they want to be a blue deck despite the fact that a couple of them have bold but in doing that you end up just not generating enough damage the attacks in in alt mode are too low that's probably really what it is all of their attacks oh, yeah. are one higher in plane mode. 
Well, they, from what I've been experimenting with, and I actually tried some stuff relatively recently, is that if you try and go blue, you are kind of all in on weird Thundercracker shenanigans trying to either pump him up or do a bunch of direct damage, but then your regular attacks are garbage because of all the reasons you were just saying. If you go a heavy orange route, you could say play the other Star Scream, not the, the flip one, that has uh, bold one in alt mode, and then say jet fire, and then maybe throw RC on there because then you need something to fill out five stars, and she's aggressive, I guess. The problem is, is then your guys are paper airplanes, like they're they're just gonna die. Yeah, and unfortunately, the extra hit points they have isn't enough. Yeah, and like the loss of the armor. Yeah, you've got star issues too, where like. It, like, Slipstream, Jetfire, Thundercracker looks like a viable deck, but it's 26 stars. Yeah. It's one of those every time you go to line, it's like, oh, I got it! And then, oh, wait, I can't actually do that. Yeah, exactly. I really wish they need a... Well, we need more planes just for variety, obviously. We're going over the, the shortcomings of them, but they, they want a 7 and they want a 9 to try and fill in some of these gaps. And I think... Scott, you were talking about how the... It's the uncommon star scream, I believe, is the eleven star one. That it, I guess it's kind of overcosted, and well, it is overcosted as far as I can tell. And he, he, either it needs more stats or it needs lower stars. There's there's a number of numbers that can be shifted on all the planes. I think. I mean, I don't understand how you have the power of barrage that costs four stars less. Yeah, and I mean, it seems makes no sense. It seems odd to me also that given star scream is such a major lore character. Like, everybody knows who's... If, if you don't know anything about Transformers, you know who Prime, Megatron, Bumblebee, and Starscream are. Like, those yeah. are probably the first four that anybody, you know, you pick a random person off the street, those are the ones they're going to name. It feels weird that, like you said, who who is Barrage? <laughs> and why is he so much better? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's a shame because Starscream Right. It's like one of the best weapons in the game if it's on him and you have the right deck. But like, I mean, it's it's basically a no downside three weapon in an in a, in yeah. orange-based deck, if not more. Absolutely. It could be like up to four or five. I mean, rarely, but... So, it's a shame, but like, I, I, I don't know how you build it. It's really hard for you to ever survive two hits. So, like... You would have to be killing automatically every single time as you're attacking back through the first round, and I just don't think that's possible. Right. So it, it's just really awkward. Like you can't afford to take the hits um, back. There's not enough time to transform. What they really need, is, like transform all your planes to plane mode and get a weapon back from your yard, or do anything. Like, but I, that would seem to be. I, I don't know. That could be... Or get a utility back, because that's what Jetfire does, I guess. Like, so, some card like that that was, like, a hunker down for them. See, they, they, what they needed... They... So, I hope that this exists. Like, somebody said Barrel Roll as the as an action on Facebook. I forget who it was, but I saw that. I want Jet Thrusters, that it's a utility that when you attack with the attached character, you can transform it. Yeah, yeah that's, that'd be cool. It, it's only a one, you know, you, it's only on one character, so you're not, you know, getting a, um, 
whatever the hell the car one is that I'm drawing a blank on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. I just couldn't think of it. But uh, it's only on one guy. But then you can choose. So you can do all those flip shenanigans that you're referring to, but still ultimately end up in the mode that you want for attacking because frequently, right now, that's different from what you want to do during your turn. Yeah, I also still think that right now, game where using your hit points as a resource is there yet yeah so you only have one shell stand one shell fall and and the iron hide laser and basically surviving two hits or using heroism like that's about it and i just don't see that like right now like you'd rather have more because you can actually slate your deck where that is gonna matter but here right. like it just doesn't even if you built an all blue deck it's not gonna help you with the, these one armor characters yeah, you, so. you're still rarely going to end up forcing a three-hit. I mean, it's nice that... So here's one of the, the awkward things that I've found, is that we were talking about Prime's one-shot and kickback. It's because he has ten effective health. Well, so does right. Skywarp. Right. So, funny story, unless you're playing blue to ensure that he survives a hit, and then, or I guess if you go first and hit a white pip or whatever, but... He's getting one shot just as easily as kickback most of the time, and you feel really bad about it. Like it, it, it probably hurts you more than Insecticons. No, because I don't think he's relevant, though. That's the problem. Like, well, he's only you... relevant because of Star Scream's ability. That's about it. Right. I mean, it depends on the build, but it's still you're down to two guys, and now they're teeing off on your guys that only have one armor. Yeah, I mean, your basic play right there would have to be from Star Scream to bot mode, put the null ray on what six bold four and hope that you're actually going to get some damage through but hope yeah <laughs> but well it, it would only be so the uncommon one only has four attack in bot mode and he has oh. bold two so you'd have you'd have the bold four but you'd only have five attack and if you're playing a blue based one that bold four may not even mean anything no you'd have to play it i think you have to play it as art right but yes yeah unfortunately because I've tried uh, speaking, because you were mentioning this earlier, Palmer, about playing a more defensive Dinobot build. Uh, I was trying to do something similar with a mostly orange-focused plane list, and then you know, bombing run and a few other odd ends here, like Leaf, allow you to. Uh oh, <laughs> oh, I, I guess that upset everybody. <laughs> I heard I heard something bark outside. It's like right outside the door. I don't know what. Uh oh. Uh, but what I was saying is, you, you know, you could splash in enough blues to reasonably hit them, and then they would still be relevant when played, but it it, it still dies way too easily. Yeah. So it, moving from planes, because I think we've, we've beaten that one to death, <laughs> um, what about tanks? Because I think they're even worse off than planes, to be perfectly honest. If you run three wide tanks, that is. Uh, so my issue is Demolisher's Worthless. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's absolutely true. In tanks, in, which is which, terrible. Dark Mount dies to... If if one shall stay and one shall fall becomes popular in the metagame, Dark Mount's basically unplayable. Mm -hmm. um, because he only pretty much needs one shall stay and one shall fall like twice throughout the game, and then you can easily get through to do the extra damage. Yeah, you'll accidentally do three other damage to him. Right, there's plenty of ways to do that. And then... I mean, it's unfortunate. Like the common man, fine, but you're, like it's a, and it, I think he's definitely better in this meta 
that's more you know that has it has more defensive slant to it because if you're mm-hmm. if you put the fusion cannon on him and suddenly i think you're five pure six so you just have to get like one more attack somehow like you're auto swinging for six which i think is fine but like the other two are just too fragile or or worthless, frankly. Well, um, I agree with you. It's better. I don't know if it's still good enough because even in that scenario, say you're playing against primes where you'd probably want it, you're still three shotting Optimus, and I think primes will end up winning that race anyway because I think you can reasonably assume Demolisher does literally zero damage ever, uh, <laughs> barring something weird. Uh, and even I mean, you, I mean the good thing is they can play hard. So the good thing is yeah. they can play true. a bunch of direct damage. They have so much access to armor through Hunker Down that like you can afford to put blanks in your deck with your own direct damage as well. Right. Because um, you're probably going to be, you know, you're obviously going to play armor plating. It's just that the, you, like I would think you would honestly access to so many blank cards because I would also, I think that's another unfortunate where like ready for action is probably good in that deck for the reasons of a swing with this pierce um right now you're up to like nine blank cards like and it's just things that aren't going to work out and and again I, I, the real problem is demolish yeah you, uh-huh. i mean what are you attacking with a three attack guy because that's what you're going to have to do if you're playing mostly all blues you'll otherwise you're doing nothing feels awful so I think like the issue is actually even a little bit something different. When I look at the tanks, and particularly the ignoring the mer- the uh, rare Megatron, yes, it feels to me like it actually wants to be an orange deck. It wants to play some blue, but mm. then it wants to use its innate armor to survive your enemy's attacks. The right. problem is that in an environment like we have right now, where not just the the Prime's deck, but also Insecticons, also Dinobots, are launching very large attacks, the the tanks were clearly designed with the fact that their armor is supposed to be applying to multiple attacks. Yep. So, you know, the, um, like uh, Dark Mounts and Nine with the, the four armor. So it's not a 13 hit points, but it's it's like getting there. You know, they, they definitely do that as an equivalence. And I think they want you to play a more aggressive orange-based deck with just some blues in it. But it doesn't right. work because you need to flip those blues to even survive one hit when it's like, you know, Optimus with an Energon Axis swinging at you. Absolutely, yeah. You Whereas can... at least if okay. you're a special rare B, you know, that's 16 that they have to do because he's just got a big Right. Yeah, in the case of tanks, if you assume that the Primes deck is reasonably swinging for minimum 10 every turn, because they have one shell stand, they have leaps, they have, you know, other direct damage, etc., then... Okay, it goes back to the same argument with Skywarp and Kickback. Demolisher just falls over and is pushing up daisies. Uh, and even the other ones, they're going to get there eventually because they're. If you're running that many blanks or you run enough white pips or whatever, eventually you're going to whiff and they don't actually need to get through for that much. Plus, they have direct damage, like you were saying. It's, it's just tough. The one thing to be careful of is time's problem. Like, you could put a grenade launcher on any random dunk, and you can get to ten relatively easily. Yep. So, like, this is not just isolated to like guys that have giant attack to start with. Like, you can make a guy into high attack, and like they still can't survive that. So. Right. Yeah, and you don't have to do it that often because of their low health. And if, as you said, more people pick up the idea that direct damage is pretty good. 
it doesn't care how many blues you're running. It doesn't care if you have a defense of a thousand. It's still getting through, and your day is going to get ruined very quickly. And uh, this isn't a huge deal, but their uncommon utility is completely unplayable. Say that so again? their uncommon utility, whatever that is, crushing, crushing spreads, spreads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that thing is completely unplayable. So like, I really, I really wish it was blue. Um, obviously, it would fit the theme a little bit better. I don't know if you can push enough damage as that deck otherwise. Like without it or some other additional pierce effect aside well, you're from just, just playing, Megatron. You're playing Megatron, you're playing Energon Axe, and you're playing uh, Bigger They Are. So Right. You could, but that only works for... Maybe not only, but generally is only going to work on Demolisher. You're not going to Bigger They Are Dark Mount into a lot of things, I don't think. I mean... I don't know. I mean, I guess getting Pierce two like is getting Pierce two out of your utility. I don't know. You don't even like you don't even have that much damage. Like it's no, it, it would need not only a blue. It would need like a blue pip and plus one armor. Or plus yeah, one yeah, it, like it definitely needs help. Yeah, well, it, it's on the. You wouldn't play it on Megatron on Demolisher. It's Pierce three or four, which is okay. It's a piercing blaster, basically. He has he has to get to that much attack, which he's not going to be able to do. Well, I'm, I'm well, just assuming you're literally never flipping alt it. mode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're attacking in alt mode. Uh, and then Demolisher, or uh, not Demolisher, Dark Mount is either four or three, which he's, like, you you have that, but it's still... So here's my issue even in the Prime matchup or any other defensive deck matchup. You're still only pushing four damage. It's going to take you four turns of that just to address Nemesis, let alone Optimus. Like, they, you're just giving the mm-hmm. other person way too much time. Yeah. And you have no ability to switch to I'm gonna somehow kill this other character that only has 10 total damage to do either. Like, you, you can't ever do that much either. That's the problem. Yeah, you don't have those explosive hands. I mean, I know... Or I, I kind of get that they were thinking... Oh, well, Megatron has Pierce. He's going to be guaranteed damage. You have the flip with Dark Mount. That's guaranteed damage. But similar to the planes issue, it's you want to be doing these things, and it's just not impactful enough, I think. It's so slow to use Dark Mount. Yeah. So slow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, I've tried it. (laughs) Trust me, I know. It's uh, it's unfortunate, because I really do think Hunker Down, though, is really strong, because you're... You can theoretically get four effects out of it, maybe five. You know, if you if you armor up three guys, you get two flips. You know, there, there's a lot of power in that, but it, it, we need more tanks, I think. I mean, they can't use body armor. That's a problem. Yeah. Um. So, like, your best bet is to stick reinforced plating or force field, or I guess, I mean, you can go the discard route. Like, you can play. Uh, whatever that on a range guy, yeah. But you can go that route and then also play with other discard cards. Maybe that's way to, one way to go. But like again, this game is not about, in my opinion, about card advantage. Like you could still just lose to the cards that are on the table because you're not doing enough damage. Like it, I don't even know if all three guys together maybe attacking could kill a bug. Like that's what it would take. So like, and that's you don't exactly have that much time. Yeah. You don't have that much time, so... Mm. 
So the point of both these decks is like, I just think they're in a really awkward position. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's a fact that like they're unexplored archetypes or they're um they're just not there yet. Right. And like to me they clearly need cards. And I I'm not even sure I guess I guess they probably need better bots and better battle cards at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that are at least you un- that need to be unique to them for them to be like for them to stand out over just better options like in cars, in dinos, in insecticons, in primes, and to be honest with you, like I'd rather just play three random good characters over what you're trying to achieve by getting synergy with playing multiple versions of these. Right. So, um, let's not you? even talk about trucks. <laughs> well, yeah, that <laughs> is anybody talking about trucks? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you get. You get team up tactics. You get a really bad cargo trail. I don't really. Okay, let me. Okay, here's the hypothetical. <laughs> let's say Wave Two or some supplementary set has a regrowth effect for trucks specifically that would allow you to get. So there was a truck with Jetfire's ability to go get cargo trailer out of the scrap pile. Do you think that? I mean, obviously, we don't. We wouldn't know what the rest of the set is. Maybe that it's just garbage because of other things. But do you think that that would push them somewhere? If it doesn't take up your playing utility, like playing an upgrade slot for the turn, that's a lot different, right? But it's the time and the I just kill one of them, so you're back down to one of them. Like is I mean, getting to three is like really, really difficult, especially if there's no. I guess if there was this hypothetical Jetfire effect, that might be a different story, but like, it's just difficult to stick this many of them. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I think the other thing is with each of these, real quick, is like, what's their theme? Like, every other, like, cars, their theme is untapping and getting to attack. That's pretty powerful. Right. Dinobots, it's getting a lot of bold. Bold and that's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Insecticons is swarming you for lack of like even though that's why the card's called swarm right um and having really efficient attacks primes is just being bigger than you like what is is tanks getting armor like i guess well yeah, yeah it's like it's supposed to be reducing damage and planes is supposed to be having some healing which really nobody else does except for the one truck card yeah well, planes um, have direct planes have direct damage but like the direct damage cards are neutral well, it's direct damage and healing. It's what, like the way yeah. the bombing run works, and then the way the slipstream works. That feels to me like what the planes mechanic should be. But then there's just weird stuff like, like Thundercracker and Sunstorm both having weird modifiers to their attack stats. Yeah, I didn't even I forgot about Sunstorm. <laughs> I was a three armor in, uh, in alt mode. <laughs> yeah, it, it. That's another one where if the numbers were tweaked a little bit, he may work. Not necessarily for his weirdo combo potential, although that. I guess is a deck. If his attack too. was like three plus the number of cards in your hand, he would work. Well, yes, because it, yeah. it, like we were saying before, just card advantage is not really a thing, so it's actually hard to achieve also just having a ton of cards in your grip. Um, but even, like you said, he has three armor. That's notable, but he also only has three attack, like half the other planes, so you're spending... You have to invest so much effort to get him to something even remotely relevant. And then, like, I feel like they were designed with a slipstream penalty. It's like every plane 
is designed as if his attack is one higher because of her ability. In play. I I don't know if even I agree with you. Yes, but I don't know if say Sunstorm had four attack that it'd be good <laughs> well, enough. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like that that's still not good enough. I don't think. Um, yeah. I think he needs to be probably ten stars. The star screams need to be ten and nine respectively. Uh, probably Skywarp should be ten health. Uh, you know, like I think the the powers are fine, but all the numbers need to get adjusted, and that kind of goes for for tanks as well. Uh, if they had just a couple more hit points, maybe we're talking about them actually being a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Are there? Yeah, I just think. Okay. I just think the th- I just think the themes are not there either. Like they need mm-hmm. cards that are uniquely powerful along these themes, and I think somehow along the way, and we've talked about it before. Like direct damage became too powerful. Healing might have became. Might have. Yeah. That these got down downgraded in power level because of that. Yeah, I think that's almost assuredly true, especially in these scenarios. I mean, it's only set one. Hopefully we'll get more pieces. I mean, speaking of numbers, I really wish you could run Rare Megatron and 8-cost Dark Mount and Slammer. Like, that would possibly be a thing. Um, It would still have some holes because you can one-shell stand Slammer, but at least you're running at least two tanks that you don't feel terrible about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think the key right now for these is just to try to find use for these characters on their own without the synergy, yeah. which unfortunately leaves... I mean, it certainly leaves Uncommon Starscream completely unplayable. Um, yeah. Sure. And then probably leaves, like, Common Megatron unplayable, but, like, some of the other ones, and obviously Skywarp is already unplayable... <laughs> um, and like would have no synergy for Slipstream, for example, which some people might be happy with. Um, so I mean, I think that's I think that's the issue. Is just like you just have to be. I just think people need to be ready and understand that not every card has to be playable, and it's just not their time yet. And especially in games I've played, Absolutely. with this like character type setup where you have like your guys in play when the game starts as opposed to games like magic and things like that. Like that happens. Like a guy that's unplayable today will suddenly be playable tomorrow because of the equivalent of a star cost character gets released that they have synergy with. So I would just say like, especially considering that both of these are Decepticon based because we know that the next set is, has a Decepticon slant to it. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, both of these themes get explored a little bit more. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. Uh, I, It's tough looking at it now, and I, as excited, because one of the first things I built was tanks. I was really excited about it, and then planes was also early on. Uh, I love most of the Decepticon characters, so it is tough, but I completely agree with you that nobody should be burning their demolishers in effigy you know, like, like people do with their jerseys whenever they're upset over something. Um, no, you, there's the potential down the line. And they're still definitely playable on a more casual level. Just set your expectations appropriately if you're walking into a more competitive event is, I guess, the takeaway for this. Uh, were there any other builds that you guys wanted to, to cover? Because I know we wanted to keep this one a little bit shorter, so I think we're uh, hitting that time. 
No, those that's just the ones that usually come up as the like people asking for improve my plane deck, improve my tank deck, or what is a good tank deck, what is a good plane deck. Like I think those are most of the questions around there. Right. And yeah, I think people definitely need to not be scared like to use a tribe card even if there's only one target for it. Like if That's you're a playing a good stuff deck with Wheeljack, that doesn't mean you, there's no reason you can't play turbo boosters in that deck or you know a tank deck that a deck that runs dark mount because you're doing other stuff with them. You can still play hunker down. So I think that you don't you know there's no rule that says you have to be playing all of them to make those cards playable. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to chat. Got one of the comments saying seems like there aren't enough mechanics in the game to give a specialty to each group. Maybe there'll be more with wave two. Uh, I think that's kind of what Scott was saying. I agree with you that. As of right now, the the themes are lacking. Which you know, not to rehash everything that Scott already said, but uh, yeah, they they definitely need some fleshing out on a number of fronts. And I think they're I think they're going to go that route. Like, I mean, there's certainly abilities I've seen in other games that I think could easily translate to this game. That right. some of these, any of these tribes should have access to. So. Right. I mean, and, you know, like, things like Insecticons works, for example, because its guys are low star cost, and there's a lot of really good orange cards, and it, it has the best use of two of the neutral cards, so, like, two of the blank cards, so, like, it's not it's not because they have Swarm. Like, so, it there you have to also be on the lookout, I guess, for battle cards that may just make a deck archetype better that don't necessarily aren't stamped with a tribe to them. Right. Call back like to uh, an article said, wrote. Direct damage equal to someone's base armor or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. So uh, I think that kind of covers it. Like I mentioned, we're going to try and keep this one a little bit shorter, but we will be back next time with a, uh, well, as of right now, tentatively, it's going to be another report episode of what happened at the most recent event but we'll see what other news comes up between now and then definitely check out vectorsigma.info by the time this goes up if you're listening to this or watching it on youtube or via soundcloud we should have our interview with drew nolosco up and definitely there like i said at the start there's a lot of interesting information in there so uh scott let me hand it over to you where can people find you other than what I've said a hundred times now at VectorSigma.info. Uh, you can email me at VectorSigma.info at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook groups. Uh, you can you can message me directly at Scott Landis on Facebook. Um, you can hit me up on VectorSigmaI on Twitter, or you can hit me up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's enough ways to... You can find me if you need to. <laughs> so, uh, and John, thank you for coming on. It was definitely a pleasure having you. Hopefully we can get you back again. Uh, what are you up to? Where can people find you? Um, pretty much on Facebook is going to be the best way. I mean, you can obviously always get in touch with me through Scott's 28 Avenue. Um, he was the best man at my wedding. So <laughs> the, uh, other than that, yeah, you find me on Facebook. I'm in the groups. Awesome. Yeah, we definitely look forward to hopefully getting some more content from you because I definitely appreciated the article. There were a couple people in chat that had said the same. Uh, as we said, you can check it over on Vector Sigma. We're going to be looking forward to more content there. You can check me out at the Twitter that is just below the webcam here if you're on YouTube, or you can find all the contact information in the show notes. So 
Until next time, everyone, tune in for more Random Thoughts.